to Shot Reverse Shot, a podcast in which we attempt to talk about films within the confines of a particular theme that changes from episode to episode. Uh, I'm Joe Gastineau, and this week I am thrilled to see. I am joined by HopeLies.com's Adam Batty. Hiya. And a mighty fine blog's Edwin Davies. Thank you very much. Are I didn't bo- say thank you. Are you boys thank okay? You. Not bad. Good. You Slightly worse for wear. Good. I'm worse for wear too. I'll be an octave higher next time. Um, this week's theme... Uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, appropriate enough for the end of the year special, the theme is 2011, and we're going to be talking about the key events of the year. I thought you said 2010. Oh, man. I've got all mine prepared for 2010. I'll be blown it. <laughs> um, well, we'll do, I'll, I'll do two. <laughs> well, I can't even remember what was out in 2010. That silence. Silence. Clash of the Titans. Wow. That was the main one, I think. Yeah, that was, was the only one. one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk about the key events of the year and uh, uh, the end of the podcast... We will be running down our own personal lists, our top tens of the year, and also talking about uh, kind of also runs and worst films as well. Um, so, I'll get us started. Adam, Ed, how was it for you, 2011? I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I've, I've been defending it this week, actually. I think it's actually been a really good year. I think my top five um, is as strong as it's ever been. I do, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's been a... like. I think in terms of... There's not really been any films, any big single film that kind of broke out and, and in, in a way, in the same way that you know Inception or Toy Story 3 did last year, like something that's like really big and embraced by everyone. But I do think that in terms of the sort of the breadth of stuff that's been out there this year, there's been so many varied and interesting things. It's been a great year for documentaries, lots of good foreign language films. I mean, it just seems like um, you know the cream of the crop is like larger than usual this year. Mm. I've got a list here. Of the uh, ten highest grossing films, mm. and uh, it makes for depressing reading. Yeah, that part of it's not so. Uh, and I think that it's what you said about 2010, where you had an Inception on Toy Story 3, which was good and also made a lot of money. Yeah. The top ten box office hits this year, not really much good there. Um, we've got Harry Potter Part Two, which I liked, but <laughs> just offended Ed. <laughs> Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Which Adam loved. Yeah. I've got a, yeah, a very s- sort of in sincere relationship with that film. Pirates of the Caribbean, is it four? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. I heard that was depressing. all right. No, it's, I thought it was really it was very okay. silly. Uh, Twilight 6 or whatever it is. Twiglet, <laughs> I, I'm surprised Twiglet's only at that stage. I thought <laughs> it was a lot higher. Uh, Breaking Dawn Part 1, is there Part 2? Is that yeah. out yet? Mm-hmm. No, Part 2's out next year. Right. The best, um, the best Twilight joke I've ever read is um, Dawn is the name of Bella's hymen. <laughs> I don't get it. Just the fact that, that that's the film in which they have sex, so she loses yeah. her virginity. Right. So yeah. breaking, break, dawn. breaking dawn. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Okay. This list gets worse. Um, Fast Five, which was a lot more fun than it had any right to be. Yeah, not I've heard. I've heard. Great. I've not seen it, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Uh, isn't The Rock is. pushing for an Oscar for Fast Five? Yeah, because they have to take it too far. <laughs> Um, he is very funny. He's very sweaty. He's the sweatiest man you'll ever see in that film. Wow! It's, there's a f- he has a fight with 
uh, Vin Diesel at one point, and it just wow, reminds that is, me of... That is a Clash of the Titans right it, there. It just makes reminds me of the fight at the end of the first Transporter, where Jason Statham greases himself up and beats up a room full of men. I've not seen that, but I will watch it tonight. It's... Uh, 42 times. It's quite amazing. <laughs> um, uh, the Hangover Part 2, mm. which is a film I've not heard one positive thing said about. I've no. not seen it either. I've not seen any of these films I've done. I've not seen any of them either. Oh, I have actually seen Are we more. in any position to talk about 2011 and we've not seen <laughs> any of the top? I have I've seen, seen them, I've just not enjoyed any of them. them. Um, Two of them. The Smurfs. Not seen it. There was a giant Smurf in London last week, I saw that. Was there? I don't think yeah. there was. There was. Okay. There was a giant when Smurf. When you say it was a giant size Smurf, do you mean it was just six foot tall? It was a massive balloon. <laughs> yeah. Actually. A balloon. Because to me, a I was surprised Smurf to, I, I was surprised man. to hear that, an, uh, that, a, that a Smurf is three apples high, which I always knew because it's part of the Smurf law. And when you think about it, that's quite big. What, what did you say? A smurf is three apples high, like the size of three apples. Right. That's quite big. I always thought they were really, really small. Like Max. Hmm? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hmm? Like oh, Apple yeah. Max. That's just such a rubbish joke. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I always in thought the they were really small, like smaller than the three apples. Right. Mm. I'd never really look, thought about it. They do look a lot smaller. Yeah, they do. Unless Gargamel's like really tall. Well, they live in like mushroom land and with mushrooms that are, you know, three apples to scale. Too. So those, ap- those mushrooms must, must actually be quite big. Yeah. The logical inconsistencies <laughs> in the smurfs yeah, are quite yeah. staggering. Yeah. That's what lost me. Um, Cars 2. No, I didn't enjoy that at all. I quite liked it. I did quite enjoy it for what it is. Um, and Rio. I heard quite good things about Rio, actually. Didn't see it. Right, so why, is ta- why, is, why, is, why is something like Tintin not in there? Why did Tintin because not make much money? Tintin oh, it's not been hasn't released. been released in America. Yeah, yet. it's not been released yeah. in America. Um, out of that list, uh, it's the first ever year in recorded history that three films have Broken the billion mark. Well yeah, that goes without saying, doesn't yeah. it? Surely, you know, 3D glasses is a third yep. extra, and yeah, inflation. But I bet the ticket sales were down. Well, the ticket sales were yeah, down. Yeah, there were they? less tickets sold for those films. Than Ed is the box office man. Than for comparable films, like um, the Harry Potter film is the most successful of the Harry Potter series. But if you were just for inflation, it's sort of maybe like second or third and like the first two Harry Potter films made a lot more than it you know it's just right. it's just the fact that inflation the fact that there's a bigger market now than there has been in the past in terms of you know globally a global film market mm. um, and yeah 3D so the fact that they've passed the billion mark is not as impressive as they would want you to think we had a long time didn't we with waiting for another film to cross the billion line yeah. it was what 13 years between Titanic yeah, and Avatar and then all yeah. of a sudden well, no, Lord of the Rings the third one Oh, did that, it? That was the second film to do it. It's still right. a long time, isn't it? Still six broken. years, yeah. 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 And then six years, or four years between the two then. Yeah, so now that... But I think it's less It's less a sign that more people are going to the cinema. Exactly, yeah. they're finding easier ways to kind of gouge money out no, of No, I think that, like, Titanic was a cultural phenomenon, mm. as was Lord of the Rings. Which you, know. you can't really say for Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> because I don't know anyone who, in, who saw Transformers and enjoyed it. No, that's, so it's not a measure of popularity. It's a measure of of, of, of who paid to see it. Mm. I've never heard anyone say anything positive about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a depressing list. Do you want to hear an even more depressing stat from 2011? Mm-hmm. Go for it. This is a depressing Christmas podcast. Yeah, 2011 well. is uh, it's like it's a wonderful life. You have to go through. We the have to go there stuff. to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2011 is the record year for sequels. Uh, up this. to up to this week, we've had 28 sequels released this year. What's out next week? Seems like more. <laughs> uh, Sherlock Holmes is a oh, sequel. Oh, so I saw. It? Yeah, it's out already. Sherlock Holmes. Um, is that as good as it looks? 
I, I think there's a certain charm about those films and I think that that charm is pushed to its limits. I won't right. say much more. I just thought it was, yeah, it tiring. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, so we might hit 30 by the end of the year. I don't think that's oh, Mission Impossible thing. 4 is yeah, that out the end of the year? So, yeah, we will hit 30 sequels. Yeah, I don't have as much of a problem with that as anybody else if they're good sequels. I think Mission Impossible looks interesting. And, yeah. um you know, there's a bunch of interesting sequels. Like, if you consider something like Planet of the Apes as a sequel, which I'm sure is counted as for those purposes, I thought it was all right. Um, you know, then I'm, I don't know if that features on either of your best of lists. Um, uh, no, it doesn't. Spoiler alert. No, no, I mean, so we can talk about that freely. But I think it's, yeah, I think that's a fairly interesting film. Um, and I'd like to see a film. I, would, I don't mind seeing a film like that. And do they count something like Captain America as a sequel? I wouldn't have thought so. No, yeah, I think... It's part of a franchise. Yeah, I think... I think in the Mission Impossible franchise is a really good example of that one because each one of those films they get a different director in and it's kind of, you know, there's not really anything connecting them. It's just the name and then they give someone else, they let someone kind of play in the sandbox a yeah, little bit. Yeah. You know, Can I just say that Mission Impossible 2 is one of my least favourite films it's of all awful. time? I've it never is seen it. Diabolically bad. It's I've only ever seen the third one and I saw the first one years when it came out of cinema. It's like as if you the gave. The first one's good. Third one I really like. Yeah, it's I think a great film. One's yeah, really I like great. the third one. Uh, is Mission Impossible 2 is as if you gave. A 13-year-old kid, a box of John Woo films, and said, "Make a parody of these," and then gave him a Limp Biscuit album yep. to put it over the top. And um, the result is every bit as bad as that sounds. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, the soundtrack is, is awful. What was the biggest disappointment of 2011? Biggest disappointment for me is quite a recent thing, actually, and uh, it contradicts what I've just said. But it was rewatching Planet of the Apes: the Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I, I watched it for a second time last week, and I quite enjoyed it in the cinema. Um, because this year has been so sort of devoid of real disappointment I think this says, this says a lot actually but I, I really didn't like it on second viewing I thought it was I just thought it was empty and charmless and I thought the CGI was uninspiring and yeah I mean I think that's probably it for me um, it's not the most exciting of it's got the, sh the shittest title of any film this year it Rot Patar yeah. that's, <laughs> that's if you abbreviate it Rise of the Planet of the Apes yeah it's yeah. just it's just not good, is and it? And the tagline, the famous tagline, apes will rise. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah, it's like titles will clash. I hope, I hope the, the next one gets even more complicated, so it's like the continued rise of the planet of the apes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at least with that, apes did rise, whereas in Clash of the Titans, titans didn't clash. Even clash. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the great, yeah, the great riddle of that. That film's come up three times in this podcast already. And how long are we in? Five minutes? Yeah, minutes? we're about five minutes in. And uh, the Clash of the Titans sequel is out next year. Wrath of the Titans. Yeah. Titan Titans Wrath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Sam Worthington has done the um, Michael Bay. He's done a Michael Bay, which is to say, I'm really sorry that the film was rubbish. Yeah. The second one won't be as bad. And, and people believe him, you know, and that's why crap like Transformers is making a billion pounds. Mm. Because like Michael Bay can just insincerely say, yeah, it won't be as bad next time. We'll try harder. And people listen and go, you know. But I mean, that was the worst film I saw over here, Transformers 3, by a long shot. Like, so it, it's... Like the film that is my favourite film of the year, like I kind of for a long part of the year sort of put it to one side and said nothing's going to be this good for the rest of the year. Let's just think about other things. And then I did that with that and badness. I thought nothing is going to be as bad as Transformers Three, so let's just put it to one side because you know that's that's, that's not even an attainable benchmark. That's just I, I yeah in my review it was the worst film I've seen since I started writing about film. That's that's how I opened my wow review. It was dreadful. Um, Ed disappointments. Yeah, I think I'm going to get into a fight with Adam. We, we about need, this. we need, we need to, to, to. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And it needs to happen. It's Hugo. 
No, oh, I, I that's not where I thought you were going with what, that. Really? Are you going with Sucker Punch? <laughs> yes, oh, I was thinking that, yeah. It, it, it's not that I thought that Hugo was bad. I went in really wanting to like it. And mm-hmm. We'll talk about this more later, because I'm sure it'll show It's up. not in my top ten. Oh, is it not in your top ten? It is really, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> we'll, um, we could we could talk about this in depth later on, but, you know, I just went in, and I really wanted to like it. I loved the book, and, you know, I think Scorsese's great, but it just didn't move me. Yeah. And, no, you're not in the it, minority. And it was one of those things where... I kind of <coughs> felt, I felt bad afterwards about not liking it more. Yeah, I mean, a few people have said the same thing. I mean, you're not alone in that. I think you're very much in the minority, but um, <laughs> you're, not, I mean, you're not alone. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. But there is some of that really disappointed me, but I can't remember what it was now. Uh, was mine it? was uh, Wuthering Heights. Oh, yeah, um, you didn't like that at all. Because, I mean, we, we all saw that together. And, yeah. um, Fuck I'm you, a- you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Andrea Arnold said to me when I told her. Um, I really, really, really thought that was going to be something pretty amazing. Mm. And uh, I think the worst thing is that I just came out of it just going, meh. Yeah. yeah. I remember you just being kind of like, well, that was a bit of a tough one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was hard. I found it hard work. Yeah. It was. I mean, I liked it more than you, but I can see what you mean. I do think that it's one of those films where... The first, the first half, I think, is really, really strong. Like when it's the kids, mm. I think that half, and then because it's the most, the, the part of it that is least like the book in some ways, or it's, or it's not, not necessarily least like the book. It's least like the entire history of that kind of cinema, that mm-hmm. kind of literary adaptation. It's so unpretty, and it's all about like senses and things like that, mm. and it's quite a sensory experience. And then the latter half is when you know, the adults show up and it becomes all about the, you know, the heights of emotion. It kind of becomes a bit... That was my main problem with it, is it's kind of a problem with the structure of the book. It kind of introduces you to these characters, spends a really long time with them, and then says, oh, here's some new characters, essentially. Mm. Well, my biggest problem with the the film was is that there was a big hoo-ha about, you know, casting a black kid as Heathcliff, which is, you know, ridiculous, considering... (laughs) It's an imaginary character, um, <laughs> but then then to cast your main villain as a skinhead, yeah, it was just a bit. Much. I think I think that I was more disappointed because Heathcliff, like being a cat, when you sort of make any human Heathcliff, it just doesn't work, <laughs> black or white. Yeah, that, you know? that was it was the the, the weirdest adaptation of yeah, a, of, yeah. uh, of a, a comic of a, of a Gar- Garfield ripoff. No, I've just remembered what the biggest disappointment of the for me. I think you might agree. Um, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, um, that's dog shit. Yeah, I, I, ex- I had massive expectations. Lynn Ramsey is is a real favourite of mine, and I just hated it. Yeah. Um, there was a, a moment in the film where uh, John C. Riley and uh, the Devil Child are playing video games. Yeah, John C. Riley is kind of just kind of playing along, and the kid is just screaming, "Die, die, die!" Mm. Tilda Swinton walks by in the background, looks quizzically at the pair of them as if to think, "Hmm, wonder what this means," then leaves. And then the scene moves on. Yeah. I kind it of, is terrible. I kind of interpreted that difference being more of her sense of uh, dislocation from Kevin than necessarily trying to explain it. That was my interpretation. I mean, I liked the film a lot more than you guys did. Mm. But um, I can see where you're coming from in that regard. But I, I mean, I hated the book with a, with a passion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, the film was, was, was no different. And I'm like Adam, I'm, I really like Lynn Ramsey and think she's uh, probably, you know one of our best filmmakers but that was just yeah. I, I did have such high expectations that's what I said in my review you know and people even when I said I didn't like it I was the first person sort of out of my sort of circle to say I didn't like it and I felt really aware of that and I felt really sort of it just it was it was like the first sort of 
it was the first time I sort of really disagreed with everybody, people who I respect. And I just really, yeah, really, really didn't like it. I don't know what was wrong with her. What mm. was wrong with well, her. I put in my review that, you know, how she feels terribly alone in not being able to, no one else can see what she's seen. That's kind of mm. how I felt. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, I just kind of totally felt that, like, why is no one thinking this is, mm. is, is just really heavy-handed pop psychology bollocks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the overuse of the colour red. I mean, Jesus. I didn't spot it. Anyway, the, well, the, the opening scene of the, the the kind of tomato festival in Spain. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, I did actually like just to go back to Jane. Uh, um, was it Jane? You yeah, said Wuthering Heights because nice. they're two completely indistinguishable properties. I um, <laughs> I um, I did actually quite enjoy Jane um, Wuthering Heights a lot. I, I took a lot out of it. Um, I remember because you came out of it and you weren't sure, and then as the as time more went I on, you, you, you yeah. more got into it. Well, it's because I'm from that area. Like that, that my 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 father was born sort of in like yeah there, and I grew up there, and I, I it, it really did evoke something for me like sensory, like you guys were sort of saying, like it really did connect to me, and and I I I didn't expect that, but it stuck with me for days and days afterwards, and I was I was impressed, um, and I think her visual style is really interesting anyway. Uh, I think the, the performances left a lot to be desired. Mm. Um, it was a lot to ask of um, non-professional actors, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was its kind of failing, you know. And the weird thing they did with dogs, which, like... They kept hanging dogs. <laughs> yeah, but they looked happy to the dogs. They looked bemused. It mm. was just unusual. But speaking of Wolverine Heights, I think that's kind of like a, a good sort of point which I want to make about the wider cinema in general this year which is that British cinema had a real real renaissance it not did. renaissance but it had a real it's strong a, year, a year yeah. I could have made a top 10 stuff. just of British stuff well I mean I'm just going to sneakily take a look at my top 10 I think there's yeah there's there's two in my top 10 um, and I've I could have been a lot more I've got four hmm. four, I mean four British films in my top 10 I've got three yeah, I mean, I know you're a big fan of the King's Speech. I didn't expect it to be top ten. It's the only. But thing. I mean, if you look at that, I mean, the King's Speech is like was such a, a, a runaway mm. in terms of financially and in terms of like critical um, award. You know, um, the King's Speech was was a, a phenomenon, and then we had stuff like the Inbetweeners movie making a ton of money. Uh, I'll tell you how over. much money you made. Uh, the Inbetweeners cost three and a half million. And took forty five, and that's just yeah. in the UK, presumably, yeah. and, and not only, on video. And it was only a couple of, it was only like a million or so behind the King's Speech. Yeah, yeah. like that, and that, that's crazy. And that's the tail end of the summer as well. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the final films of the summer, and that just had such. I mean, that's still playing at our audience. Yeah, well, yeah. it was, it was it's um, video now. It was uh, top of the charts for five weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, insane. It's and such a phenomenon and then in a way that so few films are. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And then we had another film like, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which made a ton of money. I was just mm, looking how much well. that, And it's not come out in America yet. And, and it was making, like, what was it, 27 million in the UK, which is insane for a, a, an autumn release. Mm. You know, not, not as, there wasn't that much hoo ha about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah it's just it's just been such a great year Tyrannosaur Submarine Warp films have yeah, just yeah. been a uh, kill list you know Snowtown towards the end of the year is that it's Australian uh, it's Warp though isn't it yeah, yeah but Warp it's Australia. there, it's there Australian, Australian oh imprint okay I'll take but that back still, not Snowtown yeah and uh, it's just yeah just such a a really great year for for, for British cinema um, um I was it a relatively quiet year for uh, foreign language films this year um, in comparison not, to other years, I don't know. I think we had a couple of like major breakout successes. Mm. Um, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple on my list. Um, 
of like real picketers. But I know what you mean. I think maybe was there was there a massive commercial success over than the skin I live in? I think that was the big. That's that that's well. the only one I'm thinking of that really really broke out. Well, yeah, it's early days for the artist. I think the artist is going to do yeah. very very well in the states because yeah. it's, it's building up a lot of awards steam at the moment. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, because I've I've actually given a I, I I've excluded festival titles from my top ten for this. Right. Um, there is only one foreign film in my list. Uh, one film not in the English language, which is which is the skin I live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I guess actually yeah. Not thinking. I've not thought about it. But I guess for commercial cinema, it was quite a quiet year. Can we talk about Sucker Punch? Sure. Must be. It's my top ten, to be fair. Is it? It's not really, no. Oh. I thought it was the most interesting blockbuster I've seen all year. Maybe after Tintin. And actually, there is one, one, one other blockbuster that's in my top ten that I did think was a, a more interesting sort of blockbuster. But I think as a, as, a, as, a, as a major Hollywood production, I think it's pretty remarkable. Wow. I think Ed. I think it's remarkable. I think it's probably the most personal films Zack Snyder's made. Mm. I genuinely do think that it's a, a representation of his his interests and you know his psyche and everything like that. Doesn't mean I think it's actually any good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't didn't enjoy it at all. But I think of the films he's made, it's the one that feels most like you know something that he's clearly interested in. Mm. I mean, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed like the Dawn of the Dead remake and everything like that. But, yeah, yeah. But I think that this one felt. You know, it was a it was a passion project. It was like a big budget passion. It was project. his inception in the way that yeah, in the way that very few big Hollywood films actually are. Um, how did he get away with it? How did he get it to screen? Well, I don't know if the studio were happy with it, but I think it just it lost a lot of money. It's one of those projects. He he was signed on. He signed on for it when he was in pre post production on Watchmen, and there was expectations for Watchmen at the time. And I just assume it was the sweetener, because I presume when he went into that, Warner Brothers had him in mind for Superman. Mm. Uh, I think it's a similar deal to Chris Nolan, the idea that you know he can do what he wants when he's not making Batman films as long as he makes a Batman film next. And that's what I think it might have been. I think it's slightly more misguided than maybe with Christopher, than Christopher Nolan. Um, no, I just assume it was that. And I don't think it was... He didn't... I mean, how much money did it cost? It, it, it lost... It, it, may, it cost uh, 80-something million... And took just short of that. So but it'll have legs on DVD. That film will will run forever on DVD. I think. I, I think, think it, it will make its money back. But mm. it's, I think it's a big as as every, pretty much everything does nowadays. But I think it's a pretty big knock on his career because up until then, I mean, Watchmen wasn't a massive success, but it did well. Um, the Owls of Cahul was. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Was yeah. um, not very successful, but it's that one's going to have a life on on DVD because it's an adaptation of a popular book. But um, yeah, I think this one's probably the first real knock on his career. And it's the one that was really widely criticised yeah. by people who did feel as though they had genuine complaints. I think a lot of those complaints were misguided. I mean, uh, it's easy to call a film that's, that's, that revolves around sort of scantily clad women sexist. But I don't think it was sexist. I don't think there's any. I, 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 nobody's ever sort of managed to convince me otherwise. Anyway, um, I just think as an experiment or as a sort of an artifact of like I don't know mainstream cinema, it's just incredibly interesting. And I think there's quite a nice little subtext there about performance and what performance means, and 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 directors using the medium of film as a as a as like a therapeutic outlet, which is something he, he really sort of blatantly sort of says very early on in the film. And the and those ideas, I just say, it is a mess, but I think it's an interesting mess. Are you saying it's uh, this generation's one from the heart? Yeah, <laughs> don't know if I go that far, but no, I think it's certainly something that will be. Reevaluated at some point. 
Yeah. Well, next year's end of year special, we'll all watch it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I found it thoroughly unpleasant, and um, just I think I said to Ed about this that it just seemed to be like a kind of geeks wish list of scenarios with kind of girls in their pants. Yeah, yeah. But you said that, but then it was written and produced by a woman. You know, it's not a man. Zack Snyder a woman? Well, he's, he, he works with his wife. She right. She's his sort of co-everything. You know, so it is a... I, I don't think it's as much of like a, a sausage fest behind the scenes as you seem to... As Evans. But I mean, I saw it before. I saw it before it, it was released. I saw it at a critic screening. Um, and I came out of it without a consensus you know there was no reaction to it as such other than to the trailers and everything and I, I, I sort of evaluated it without any of that so I can imagine coming out c- watching it on video after the shitstorm it was the critical reaction you know and it, it had already passed into sort of like pastiche by that point you know mm. people were taking a piss out of it by the time you saw it on video uh, I can understand why you would sort of you know the baggage that you're taking into a viewing even if you don't intend to be sort of have any opinion um, it's kind of you're kind of inevitably going to be drawn towards certain aspects. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's not really my type of film I like anyway. But the, Likewise, reas- the reason I did watch it was because it wasn't, you know, just another superhero franchise that was. There's no capes involved. There was no capes involved, so I was all about it. Um, but I wanted. I I don't mind a, a kind of original property that's a blockbuster. Um, it was just not very good. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. And I can, I can s- accept the criticism that it looks like a, a corn video. You know, or this or is the second <laughs> new metal reference in this yeah. episode already as well. You know, uh, and yeah, I can see why some people would say that, but I don't agree. You know, I don't think those claims sort of hold up the idea that it's this, you know, I mean, sex fest or whatever you want to call. It. I've read some weird criticisms about it, mm. but um. But no, so I mean, that that was your biggest disappointment of the year, then. No, because right? I wasn't expecting. Uh, it, was, it was the worst film I saw this year I think okay. that was from this year um, but I, I kind of got off quite lightly with the amount of films I saw this year and I kind of dodged a lot of the b- really bad ones because I just mm. didn't didn't bother I didn't do Transformers which I imagine would have just kind of held me over a barrel and raped me no it was, yeah it was just horrible in 3D, on every level. In 3D. I um, actually when I saw it I saw it at, uh, somewhere I'm not allowed to talk about um, I saw it before anybody else and well, before everybody else was under embargo, so I, I got to talk about it before anyone. Um, but I, it was a sort of a, a situation that you, I can't, like I say, I can't talk about. But the film stalled after ten minutes when I was watching it, so they had to start again from the beginning. So I had to watch the first ten minutes wow. twice. The first time it was being 3D, uh, being projected wrongly, so the 3D was off. So by that point, I'd already received the, the like obligatory headache that you get with a, a 3D film. And then, you know, I'd sit through it again. It was just a dreadful experience. In terms of um, worst films, for me, it's um, probably um, You'll Meet a Tall Dark Stranger. Woody Allen. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's horrible. I didn't see it. It was really bad. It's it's not the worst Woody Allen film. That's still Celebrity, which I think is a horrible I thought that um, uh, the one with you and McGregor and... Colin Farrell is oh, it Cassandra's, Cassandra's dream? Cassandra's dream isn't isn't as bad wow. as Celebrity. Celebrity is just such a misguided attempt for him to try and do the Dolce Vita, but with um, Kenneth Branagh doing like the worst Woody Allen impression you'll ever hear. Mm. Oh, and wow. it's um, it's it's just really really nasty. It's the worst of his because you know there's there's that whole thing about you know after 
all the stuff between him and Mia Farrow in the early 90s, there's a, there's a, a misogynist strain that kind of comes comes into his films quite quite prevalently, or at least I, I think there is. And some films, it's not too bad, but in Celebrity, you know, it's really, the, the depiction of women in it is really, really not very positive, and it's really bitter and misanthropic. And, uh, you well, know, a sucker it punch. <laughs> and it, um, <laughs> and, it, and it, feel, it, it just feels like he's kind of, he must have been in a really bad place in terms of what people were saying about him and, and stuff like that, and it's just it's that that's that's the worst one he's done. But um, you'll meet a tall dark stranger is just you know it's just such a lazy piece of work. Mm. It's so half formed. It kind of is that the one with Ian McShane in? No, it's no, the that's one with scoop. Um, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, right, okay. and Anthony Bloody Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's the one where it's kind of all of these disparate strands and all these different different stories and all stories about love and they're all kind of material that he's done before in better and like even the story he does with Anthony Hopkins is you know old guy hooks up with a much younger woman who kind of takes him for a ride which is something that A he's done before and he kind of done the year before in whatever works I mean that's slightly more positive in terms of the, the male female relationship but it, it just felt so so much of a retread and it just wasn't funny and it just felt so it was it was know I wasn't massively looking forward to it because I kind of go into all Woody Allen films now with a, a mix of you know hope and, mm. and anticipation where you just kind of think and dread when you kind of think well it might not be good but it's got to be better than the last one you mm. know and then <laughs> but, but that paid dividends because you know I thought Midnight in Paris was really wonderful so you know that was quite there was quite a nice dichotomy there one of the things at the start of the year I saw a film that reminded me of everything I don't like about Woody Allen know at his worst and then later on in the year I saw something that you know made me think he's still he can still do what he mm. does well well I mean I missed Midnight in Paris and that's one of my honourable mentions because I, I do need to see it before the end of the year um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching it later today but I saw Tall Dark Stranger and I saw it at a festival and it was the opening night for the film festival and it kind of sort of set the tone for the entire festival and it was just oh, it was just dreadful it was just I, there was a point in it about half an hour in, and I thought I've not laughed once. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was aware of the fact that I'd not laughed once in a comedy, yeah. and um, so I kind of made a point of just like monitoring like my my giggle meter um, <laughs> for the rest of the film, and um, I didn't laugh once. <laughs> wow, my gigglometer it's a zero on the giggle meter. Yeah, gigglometer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those ones Stretchful. where you think if it was meant to be one of his dramas, it wouldn't be that bad but you could tell it was meant to be one of his mm. comedies and it just didn't work at all yeah yeah and it was it was like a, an episode of, of, of EastEnders that's what it reminded me because it's set in, in London and it just reminded me of a set like a, yeah it's all this these sprawling stories that don't go anywhere and just soap opera rubbish what was the last really good film Woody Allen did I mean I did really mm. like Midnight in Paris I think that before is that we'll say. Sweet and Lowdown was, that's what was, I was a real favourite yeah. it's my favourite Woody Allen film yeah Sweet and Lowdown's yeah, great yeah. wow it's not. It's not my favourite, but I think yeah, that is the last really great one he did. Um, before then, you know, celebrities the film he made directly before then. Deconstructing Harry has moments. Mm. But I think you and far between. Yeah, but the um, the the kind of the best. I think it's fairly easy, clear to see that you know his best is. Ants. From yep, <laughs> but no, like his his that run he had from 1969 with Take the Money and Run, which is just one of the funniest pure comedies I've ever seen. It's so inventive through until you know husbands and wives that's oh, a husbands and wives I, i'm great. not a fan that's like 24 years it's a hell of a run i'm really not a fan run. i'm really he's the one part of like the 70s sort of 
new new Hollywood that really eludes me. I've never been a fan. I don't like Manhattan. I don't like Annie Hall. Not a fan. Just not a fan. It's just that one area I like everybody else, even Brian De Palma. Then Woody Allen just eludes me. Mm. Have we got any uh, film-related deaths this year you want to talk about? I always forget about these things. That's why that's what makes Oscar night so much of a surprise mm. because you get the amazing roll call of dead bodies. Who's yeah. died? Sydney Lumet is the big one. Yeah, for me. yeah, that was this year, wasn't it? I think um, that was. Yeah. When you say Sydney Lumet, I always think of him. What comes into my head, the image is of Philip Seymour Hoffman doing yeah, <laughs> doing Marissa the do. Tomei. Yeah, with Marissa Tomei, quite graphically at the beginning. Yeah, of, um, for when the devil is. Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I, yeah, that one's quite sad, mainly because I think you know. Uh, before the devil knows you're dead, I think it's a really strong work considering mm-hmm. it was made by a guy who was, you know, eighty or whatever it was, and he died when he was eighty-four. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And um, you know, that was kind of the thing. You see that, and you think, I mean, Lumet's one of those people who's just there aren't really that many bad films in his career. There's mm-hmm. not necessarily any that that many like masterpieces. Like I think there's a lot of work in his in the eighties wouldn't quite get into that, but he rarely made a bad film. Mm. Even his bad films were all right. Do you know what I mean? They were yeah. interesting. And with um, before the devil know you dead, you kind of think you know, wow, this is a guy who's in like who started with twelve angry men, and he's still finding like new things to do yeah, with yeah. cinema, and he's still learning. He can still keep up. Like that film, films like feels like a film someone's made in yeah, like, their twenties yeah. or thirties, mm-hmm. and you know, and you and you kind of think you know, oh, you know, it would be nice if he got to make another film. But at the same time, you think that's a that's a. Well, I think good it's camera. a perfect swan song. I, I said that when he died. I actually did a, an article about the great sort of last films, and I think that's up there. You know, mm. I think especially for a career that included Dog Day Afternoon, which for a long time was my favourite performance ever. Um, Pacino in that film, I, I, I don't think it gets much better. Mm. Um, and I think that that is such a great sort of spiritual sort of fastener, you know, to 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 Dog Day Afternoon. Um, that yeah, I'm quite glad he went out on that. Could have been worse. Yeah. Well, because the film we made before that was the one with Vin Diesel called uh, Find Me Guilty, yeah. which was. Um, Less than stellar, hmm. um, but yeah, I'm kind of glad. I mean, yeah, it was um, it was kind of rough because uh, not only did I think that he'd made you know quite a fair few masterpieces, but then also a lot of really solid work. But you know, he also wrote um, Making Movies, which is a fantastic book about how to make films. And it's what's really it about? <laughs> <laughs> what is Making Movies about? Scott, is that the one? Does that does that contain the the famous quote, which is um, there are no small parts, just small actors? Because he coined that. Did he? Yeah, I d- I'm not I'm not sure if that's in the book, but it is. It's full of like kind of his big uh, contribution to the lexicon. Yeah, yeah. Well, he also coined um, "Do I do not? There is no try." He did, did that. He? Well, yeah, yeah. And do I did he? Did he dumb? Did he do? I think I'm getting mixed up with someone else. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but th- that book is 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 a kind of. It's not one of those books that kind of tells you how to make films. It's just an exploration of a man's process, and and you know so many people read it and kind of uh, take so much from it. It's, you very rarely get a look inside the artistic process in that kind of honest a way. And I remember reading that about ten years ago, and it's just a fantastic book about filmmaking. And you know he did films like Dog Day Afternoon, but also like Network mm, and um, that, yeah, The yeah. Porn Broker, which is in my opinion, like the best edited film of all time. Uh, it's the just Verdict, which is a very the good, verdict. great performance by Paul Newman. Uh, yeah, and even stuff like Q&A, apart from it, the fact that it's got the worst theme song I in history. I love that theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> Don't double cross yeah. the ones you love. It kind of spells out what happens in the film. <laughs> Don't double uh, cross the ones you need. Yeah, it's, it, but, you know, even you know, Serpico is good. Oh, Serpico's, uh, yeah, Serpico's good. 
Failsafe is pretty good. Oh, Failsafe's amazing. Mm. Really, really good. from being released the same year as uh, Doctor Strange yeah, Love. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a body of work that mm. not many people can no, match. No, it really is. Um, yeah. Another uh, Peter Falk. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was genuinely... I was, I was, I'm a big fan of Cassavetes, and um, yeah, that really did, that really did touch me. Cause, I mean, he wasn't well for a long time. He mm. didn't look well for a long time. Like what did he go out on? What do you mean? What was his? Oh, his last film. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not I think sure. I'll I'll check. the last film I saw him in, that I think was Made. You know, the kind of semi sequel to Swingers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Made, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's in that. Um, I remember him promoting his book for a long time. That's about it. For Is me. it called Just? Just one more thing. Yes, yeah, along those lines. Yeah, wow, yeah. brilliant. Um, and also, uh, death this year, Charles Napier. Yeah, um, that was that was a sad one. Yeah. You just see him in, uh, in pretty much anything. He was always quite fun. You know, he's got that great line in the Blues Brothers, which is like, uh, "Was it you? You won't be able to smile with no fucking teeth." <laughs> I've, I've brought up Peter Falk's swan song, which is a film called American Cowslip, and he played a character called Father Randolph in 2009. Um, I'm not sure what that's about. It takes a village to raise an idiot, an addict. So it sounds like Oscar bait. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah Oscar bait. but he was in Next, the Ridley Scott, uh, the the other Scott, Tony, Tony Scott. Scott, Tony Scott. Did Tony Scott do Next? No. Selena Scott. Am I getting mixed up with uh, Deja Vu? You're thinking of Deja Vu, yeah. <laughs> next, Deja Vu. Psh, he was in Next, whatever that is. That is next. That's with um, Nicolas Cage. It's based on um, a Philip K. Dick short story about a guy who can see. What happens short next? <laughs> into the future. Wow! But the way Philip K. Dick was really running out of ideas <laughs> by they, that point. They, they kind of the way they do it is quite stupid because there are things like he can dodge bullets because he knows where they're going to be and stuff like that, oh, <laughs> which amazing. is just um, yeah, it's just it's it's not a very good film. Crazy. Is that it then? I mean, where are we? I think, I think that's. I think that's Lee Tamahori made that one. Uh, oh, Lee, Lee Tamahori. Yeah. Who who else died this year? So. Um. I mean, there was quite a few kind of unexpected deaths, like uh, Tim Hetherington, the director oh, yeah, of the Strepo. That was, that was sad. Who is it um, who died? Who did the Apocalypse Now amazing documentary, Hearts of Darkness? Um, I forget his name. I'll find his name out now while we're talking about um, Tim I thought Lazarino. his wife did that. No, I thought no, it was no. Adam Nicopola. She no, shot no, the footage. She, she oh, kind right, of okay. took over it. Afterwards. She shot the footage and he edited it. Two yeah, people yeah. edited it. Um, it's a famous guy, a famous documentary maker. We should know this because we, we spent our first festival together this year, which was one of my highlights. We of did, the year. yeah. Um, yeah, um, at the same time he died. And there was nothing made of it at the time, which surprised me. But um, yeah, it is um, George Hickenlooper. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he directed it with Fax Bar. Sounds like a uh, inventor. It does. <laughs> Like Zany <laughs> yeah. yeah, he also made Mayor of the Sunset Strip, which I'm sure you're ah, yeah, yeah, fond yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Factory Girl, randomly. The um, Andy Warhol dramatization starring Sienna, Sienna Miller. Miller. Mm. Right. But um, no, I, I, that was, I mean, even though I don't remember the guy's name, I, I'm a big fan of Parts of Darkness. I thought it's that a great song. Yeah, it was. But it happened when we were at Dockfest, which, for the viewers at home, yeah. um, was our first festival together. But that's something that sort of ties my year together, really, these festivals. I've, I've done more festivals this year than I've ever done before. Name them. Did Bradford to start out with, which was all right. Crappy atmosphere. Um, Dockfest was my favourite, and then I did Leeds, uh, London, and um, what's the independent one? Rain Dance. Rain Dance. Yeah. What yeah. was that like? It's all right. There wasn't much to it. Right. It was honestly it clashed with London. Right. Which is always a problem for any festival. I think Leeds suffers from that problem too. Mm. Um, and it just it was compared to like the glitz and the bang of, of London. Um, it's sort of lacking, but it was all right. You know, I think um, another Earth opened it. 
So I mean, it was a pretty big sort of film to open a small festival with. Um, Dockfest was a lot of fun. It was my favourite. You know, I just had such a great time there. And that was Ed was kind of on the outskirts. You working most yeah, of that? Yeah, I was working. working I was working most of Dockfest, but in, uh, I don't think I saw a film this year. <laughs> wow. I missed well, it completely because yeah. I was just. I was just so working. it's next year. Yeah, I think oh, I, yeah. I saw mm. twenty and f- I missed the first day. How many days were there? Four or five? Five Wednesday. Yeah, I missed, I missed the first day, yeah. but that was only the kind of night, wasn't it? And then I watched. I think I watched twenty films in the four days, and by that last morning, I was proper burnt out. Everyone else had gone home, and I was kind of watching yeah. The you we saw we went to see the Scorsese one and, and the, um, the sexy Bruce LeBruce one, the Bruce LeBruce one, which is I've seen stuff in that film that I've never seen in the cinema before. Yes, we've seen a man fucking a bullet hole in a tramp's forehead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was and a man ejaculating onto a copy of Mein Kampf. But that stuff like was kind I of I thought like, it was brilliant. That was kind of like funny shocking, like a John Waters kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the, it was the more straight stuff that straight, but you know what I mean, like the normal stuff that shocked me more when you do it in sort of like multiples when it's just a barrage of sort of sexual violence and just sex 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 mm. in your face. It's kind of All over a little bit more and a little <laughs> bit more sort of unusual. I mean, I I can take you don't see a guy doing one over Mein Camp every day. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of like spectacle cinema. Not where I grew up anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that that was a, a good film to go out on, that and the Scorsese film. But I, I saw, I didn't see as many as you, but um, yeah. I, I went out on the um, the Tribe Called Quest film, which was so much fun. Mm. It was probably one of the funnest films the I saw. That was the one I was really, I was really upset seen. about seeing, because yeah. I heard that that was really fun. But that, I mean, there was two films shown during Dockfest, um, Senna and... Uh, the Tribe Called Quest film, which had a non-Docfest audience. It was just all... The first one was all Formula One fans, as well, <laughs> Testament, the, the shittest Q&A we've been at all year. Yeah. Um, and the other one with the Tribe Called Quest was just all hip-hoppers, and yeah. everyone was just kind of bobbing along. I've yeah. never felt so white and middle class. The worst Q&A I went to all year was with Steve McQueen, um, for shame. And that was... I've never been made to feel like... It bigger cunt in, in front of a, <laughs> a, a, of a hero in my life I mean he's not much of a hero but because like shame is about sort of a very specific sort of subject matter which is sex addiction it was a lot of the focus from the questions were on that and like they were crap questions you know and I can kind of appreciate like when you've been asked like literally in front of a, in, in that one Q&A four or five people asked him about Michael Fassbender being naked Michael Fassbender was sat next to him at the time and I can imagine, I can understand why he lost his patience, but he showed so much resentment towards us for it. I mean, I I loved the film, but I'm finding it very difficult to sort of like the guy. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was the worst Q&A I've ever been to in my life. Wow. As I'm saying. Okay, that's it for part one of our end of year roundup. Uh, join us in part two to find out what we had in our top tens. Okay, see you then. Seven shots, and so shot on the madam like an arrow. Shot on the